Welcome to the inaugural episode of Breaking the Cycle of Poverty, featuring Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center in Indianapolis. For the past 36 years, Shepherd has served its neighbors on the Near East Side of Indianapolis by providing a range of services and support designed to end generational poverty. My name is Tim Swearens, and I'll be your host for these conversations that will explore why poverty remains such a persistent problem in the United States and how each of us can help our neighbors break the cycle of poverty. Today's episode focuses on a critical set of issues, jobs, and what employment means and doesn't mean for families trying to rise out of poverty. Jay, thank you for being here today to talk about the lessons and experience you've accumulated over the years when it comes to helping neighbors land jobs and, and keep jobs and in, and in time find better work opportunities. Uh, for, for listeners not familiar with Shepherd's work in the community, please share with us a little bit about your work in the ministry and Shepherd's role in the Near East Side. Yeah, my wife and I, Jane, uh, and our kids came here 26 years ago. So we've been part of the Shepherd team, Shepherd family, for, for these many years. Uh, we followed the founder, Dean Coles. And the, the idea, I like to use the description of a, of a stepladder. A stepladder has four legs. If it doesn't, I probably wouldn't use it. Uh, the key part of a stepladder is you can move it around and, and, and uh, stand on it. And, and so for us, it's a foundation in Jesus Christ, four legs, academic, emotional, physical, spiritual. And, and so we want to address those. Mark says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, we think it reinforces this message that we need to work on those four areas. And, and then we have six external focuses of trying to address these issues uh, by uh, um, working on that stepladder so that folks can move themselves up to what we would call a life of upward stability. Help us understand some of the primary obstacles that people living in poverty face when it comes to employment. Uh, for, for many of our neighbors, it's not as simple as find a job, save money, and work your way up, is it? No, I think one of the misconceptions is people say, look at all those help wanted signs. and there are a lot of barriers for my neighbors from um, being able to not just get a job, but keep a job. And so what we're trying to address is all of those uh, barriers that they have to break through. And how do we prepare our folks for success? God created us to work, and we want our neighbors to be able to be working. And so many times it's a skill enhancement. Maybe it's uh, a child care issue. Maybe it's transportation so many of the jobs are not on a bus line, and over 50% of our neighborhood doesn't have a vehicle. So uh, we have to take those into considerations and help really break through those barriers. One of the obstacles you mentioned was education or job training. Um, how does the lack of training play out in our neighbors' lives in terms of the types of jobs they, they can land? The challenge. They maybe, some of them didn't graduate from high school, but many of them did. There are different programs available to them, and a really good partner with us is Ivy Tech. Ivy Tech helps them find the, uh, uh, the program that's uh, appropriate for them for the training. But there are other programs that we're trying to identify and help them. It's really taking the interest of our neighbor and their skill set and figure out where they're at along the way. And then building those skills up uh, skills can be taught and and then helping them be able to have uh, the resources necessary to get through that 
time of training and upskilling, if you will. Uh, sometimes they may have to learn new skills different because times are changing. Uh, when it used to be pretty simple, you just made a taco and you drove through the drive-thru and you got your meal for the for lunch. Now we know things like cobots or robots are part of the equation. Right. And so now we have to have some kind of skill set necessary. And that's a little daunting. It's a little overwhelming for our neighbors. Yeah. So we're in a situation here in Indianapolis, but really across the country, where employers say they can't find the workers they need, um, and a lot of jobs going open. What are some things that employers could do to help our neighbors? Uh, we have we have neighbors who want to work. We have employers who need workers. How do we how do we match them? Well, I think it's uh, and we occasionally will get a phone call or an email saying, "Hey, could you, you know I need you know ten workers tomorrow." And we had one such uh, conversation, but that that uh, partner was 45 minutes to 50 minutes away. And they may be able to pay fairly well and have very steady employment, but how do we get here to there? Uh, transportation is many times the challenge. And so finding a creative way that we can work together with those employers, um, I think uh, being committed to helping the neighbors uh, to, who get employed to continue to uh, improve their skill set while they're there and help them continue to move forward. I, I think it's no different than any employer today. Uh, their employees want to know that you're investing in them, not just to make the company better, but to make that person better. And I think commitments to, uh, to doing those types of things go a long way. You mentioned that childcare is an obstacle for, for many parents. I know Shepard has taken some steps to help help with that. Uh, talk about what, what Shepard's done in the past couple of years in terms of child care. Well, in, a year ago in August, we opened Minnie Hartman Child Care Center. We're really excited about that program, but we know it's important for many folks who want to work to know that they have a safe place and a place that they can afford for their child to go to. And we work with them and work with employers who will come to us and say, hey, could could we work out a schedule with you where our folks could bring their kids? And we want that. But also, Minnie Hartman is also a jobs program where we've been able to hire six of our neighbors to come through. And we're living what we challenge others to do is we're helping them get the skills to get their CDA, a state-required certification. And then saying, if you want to stay and continue to grow, we'll help you work with Ivy Tech to get your associates. And then if you really want to continue to move forward in child care, we'll help you go to University of Indianapolis School of Education to get your, uh, your bachelor's in early childhood. And we're trying to back that up by paying a living wage. And so we're trying to, sh- to model to others that this is a way employers should be. Many of the jobs that we fill within our own organization now, we're using as a pipeline to employment whether it starts here and then work with some other company on a full-time basis. We're, we're now into, and it's hard to believe it's been this long, we're now into 19 months of a pandemic. And uh, that pandemic hit, the world hit the United States and it hit Indianapolis really hard. And it has, one of the ways it hurt us and affected us was with jobs. Talk about how the pandemic has affected employment for our neighbors. Yeah, for this area in this community, it was devastating because we serve primarily, uh, our neighbors are going to serve in the service industry, and that took it on the chin, whether it's at a restaurant, whether it's at uh, one of the sports 
uh, arenas, whether it's at a parking garage, whether it's janitorial, they're going to serve in the service industry focused on the sports. I mean, I think one of the things I have said to some of our sports leaders is you are so important. The Colts, the Indians, the Pacers, uh, the Indy 500 are so important to our neighbors because they provide many of them their employment if they're working in a restaurant that benefits. And when we didn't have those things, it was devastating. And we had uh, well over half our neighbors were not working because of that. And, and so some of them have made the decision that they're going to try and get new skills during this time. And we've been working with some of them. Uh, already this year, over 60 folks, we've been able to help get new jobs. And so we see a, a movement of folks who are going to different careers that served in this area. Um, we see some who are going back into the service industry, and that's slowly picking up. Mm -hmm. We, of course, have the dips and the ebbs and flows of what we now know as COVID, uh, and, and it, it comes and goes. But uh, the service industry is where we saw so much devastation at the hotels and things. And so um, we're hopeful for the future. And as we can get our neighbors back uh, to work, we know that that helps. The, the money that the government gave helped prolong some things, but there is still this uh, idea that eventually we need folks working and we want them to have the opportunities and the ways for them to get there. You, you mentioned robots earlier, and uh, many economists have said that the pandemic uh, has accelerated the shift to more automation in a variety of sectors, and including the service industry, uh, which is very important for our neighbors, but also logistics and manufacturing. Um, what will the rise of automation likely mean for, for people who are in entry-level jobs or maybe lower-level positions? Well, I think the $15 an hour fast food uh, jobs will be gone in a year or two. I think uh, the robots will take those roles over. And so we may have this temporary time where you can make good money in fast food, but I think it's short term. I, I think there's these skills that we need to teach uh, that uh, are not content driven. Uh, it's, you know, adaptability, continue to be lifelong learners. These are the things that, uh, Tim, you and I have had to change. I'm 56 years old. Uh, what I started doing when with uh, uh, in college back in the 80s, a uh, computer was was a, a little floppy disk that I would have to take in, right? And we had special rooms where they kept the computers that were the size of, uh, you know, two or three classrooms, and they had them with special air conditioning. And so today I have more computing power on my phone than I did then. So, you know, yes. times change and we have to teach people how to, to uh, be flexible and to learn different things and to have skills. You know, those who like to work with their hands, it may be, there's going to be someone that needs to work on that robot at that fast food restaurant. Yes. Uh, there's someone who, you know, can drive a forklift or uh, I think that the, the return to vocational training is, is so important in our schools. Uh, you can outsource a plumber. And we know we need more plumbers and we need more HVAC workers. And so letting folks know, listen, you can make a good living wage being an auto mechanic. And that's an honorable work. Yeah. 
Um, I have a couple of years on you, Jay, but uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, we've both seen a lot of changes in the economy in our lifetimes, and, and it's only going to get faster and quicker, and the changes are going to keep coming. Um, speaking of showing our age, uh, you and I both remember when Ronald Reagan was the president. And one of, one of the things he said, one of the quotes that he's uh, known for is, the best social program is a job. Um, would you say that's true today? Is it more accurate to say that many people in poverty need both? They need a, a good job, no question, but they also need ministries like Shepherd that can come along and help and, and help them climb into the middle class. Well, I think we want a life of upward stability, so it's really about assets. It's those other things besides just money. It's knowing how to operate in a dominant culture. It's knowing how to advocate and have hope. It's faith. It's, it's those things that uh, enable you to be able to traverse this world. I, I like to give the description. We talk about 10 assets, and it's the old Indiana Jones movie, and they're chasing him, and he's running for his life, and he comes to the swinging bridge, and there's a bunch of the planks missing. Well, those planks, if those were the 10 assets, and if two or three missing, maybe you could crawl your way across and, and escape to that from poverty to the life of upward stability. But if you have multiple planks missing, if you have multiple assets not building your life, you will never be able to traverse that. And so uh, that's why we see generational poverty, because th they have never had assets. And the misnomer is that money's the solution. And money comes and money goes. Uh, I used the description when I was a little kid, and I'd get my allowance. I always wanted to go to Grandma's house. Um, sadly, not because I wanted to see Grandma, but there was a 7-Eleven right by her house, and I could go get a Slurpee, you know, with the baseball picture on it in the cup, and, and I could get a pack of baseball cards for part of my allowance. And, man, as soon as I had that money, I was ready to go because it was burning a hole in my pocket. Well, that mentality is mentality that many folks have. Money comes, money goes. We have to help them build the other assets that enable them to uh, have multiple relationships, that they can have access to health. Uh, these are the things that we're trying to build in their families and helping them because it's the thing that helps them not only get a job, but keep the job. Slurpy baseball cards and, and time of grandma, you were, you were living a good life. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so before we, we wrap up, so that, you know, the, the, this, this whole conversation about jobs, it's a very complex issue, lots of factors. I want to give you a chance if we covered a lot of ground, but if there's something you want to add before we wrap up, uh, I just want to give you that chance now. You know, there are people out there who say, you know, I, I want to help. I want to be a part of this. And it could be someone that will, just wants to be an encourager that comes, along someone, uh, comes alongside someone who's just started a new job that just keeps encouraging them. Because there's plenty of people who are out there saying, ah, don't work. Uh, we need to, multiple voices. Maybe someone wants to teach a class. On, and there are lots of different opportunities for us to invest in the lives of our people. Uh, our neighbors, there's always someone willing to invest in them. The question is who? And we want to bring uh, positive voices into their lives. Jay, so uh, thanks so much for sharing your insights today. Um, you know, you, you're helping us understand this, like I said, complex set of issues. You're helping us get a better understanding of that set of issues and how it affects our neighbors. Um, this is uh, the first of a series of conversations that you and I will have in the coming months. 
Uh, today we talked about jobs. Next month in November, we'll talk about food, another really important topic and another very complex topic. Yep. Thank you for joining us today. We really hope those of you listening found value in this. And please come back next month as we talk about the issue of food, why it's a complex issue, and how you can help. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.